Romans chapter 10, Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, starting in verse 8, the word, talking about the word of God is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. That is a great truth and that is the truth today that we stand on. As we now uh, partake, partake in communion together this morning, I just invite you, you can go ahead and be seated together. You've been standing a long time. you're not familiar how to use these um, uh, little cups, there's two different layers to this. There's a top layer that if you pull that back at this time, uh, that will give you the, the small wafer there that represents the uh, body of Christ. Um, no, it's not bread like Jesus broke that night um, as he uh, took um, the bread during that uh, supper together with his disciples um, but he took that, and we, we do this together because Jesus told us to do this, um, continue to do this in remembrance of me. So that night he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, do this because this is, represents my body, the body of Jesus, the body that went to the cross for each one of us, the body that was, uh, that was beaten, the body that had blood on it from so much uh, from so much, um, so much, uh, just abuse on Jesus. Jesus did that for you and for me and for all the world because He loves us today. So as we take this and we eat it together, let's remember what Jesus did and thank Him for doing that for us. Let's take together and eat. And then if you peel back the other layer there, carefully, you'll get to the, the juice. Jesus also said to do this in remembrance of me, to take the cup uh, that represents the blood. The blood that, that gives us forgiveness of sins. Um, Hebrews tells us that without the, the blood, there'd be no forgiveness. The blood of Jesus is what cleanses us, purifies us from all unrighteousness. Because his blood was shed on the cross for our sins, we can all have forgiveness of sin in our life. So let's take and drink together and remember what Jesus did by shedding his blood on the cross.
Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bow before you. Lord, without you we are nothing, but with you, you told us we could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord, for your strength, for your power that is in us who believe in you. Thank you for this time of worship that we've had today. This has been a great time of focusing on on you, giving you praise and glory that is due your name this morning. Lord, for without you, you, we wouldn't be here. Uh, Lord, there would be no point in us coming here to to sing these these praises and to to hear a message um, without what you did for us, without without you, Jesus, living inside of us, without the change that you have done in each of us that have said, I have chosen to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow you. Lord, thank you for, for doing that for us, for making a difference in our life, for purifying us and cleansing us from all that unrighteousness. We believe in you today. We know that you are the way, the truth, in the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through you. We stand on those promises. Lord, if there's anyone here today that um, may be saying, well, I, I've never, I've never uh, dis- made that decision to follow Jesus. Lord, I pray for them, for maybe that one person or two, or maybe it's a couple people or even more, Lord, that have never made that decision, that they will not tarry, that they will not wait any longer, that they will do like the Apostle Paul said and and believe on you. Confess with their mouth that you are Lord and Savior and believe in their heart that you have risen from the dead and you said in faith that we would be saved. Lord, I pray that that you will continue to speak to us as we're here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the ways that you take your word, the Bible, your word, and, and you place those words in our minds and in our hearts, and you speak to us in, in whatever way that you know how to do, and in, in the words, in the ways that you know that we need today. Help us to have listening ears and listening hearts and minds. May we be controlled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit, and not by the flesh. Lord, if those are those here this morning that need a, a healing from you, maybe physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever that is in their life, the uh, struggles that they're going through, Father, we pray that, uh, that they would look to you for that healing. We lay those things before you today. We lay ourselves before you today in our needs, and we ask that you would meet every need according to your uh, riches and glory. Lord, I, I've been brought to the attention of a couple different uh, families today that are uh, need their need prayer. A co-worker of um, Chris Roberts that we had been praying for, uh, for his healing. God, um, we don't know why, but uh, you've decided to, uh, that uh, to take him uh, home with you. Uh, Lord, we, uh, 
we pray for his family uh, as he struggled with COVID and looked like he was going to come out of it, but then God uh, didn't. Uh, God, we pray for them. I'm sure it's an emotional roller coaster for them right now. We pray for uh, healing emotionally. Help them, Lord. Help these coworkers that are uh, dealing with the loss of a, a friend and a fellow worker in their business. We pray for your healing there. Lord, I, I pray for uh, for Dan and Joy's brother-in-law today that is not doing well. Uh, we pray, God, that um, as he has hospice that has been brought in now and uh, doesn't look good, we, we pray for him. We pray for your will to be done. Uh, Lord, we, we don't ever want to see anyone suffer and you know what is best for him and so lord we pray in that way uh, that uh, you would just give him peace today Uh, lord we pray for him uh, not only just physically but spiritually today in these last moments that it looks like in his life that uh, god that um, any decisions that he may have to make in his life um, even though he he may not look like in human uh, in our humanness, may not look like he hears or is very uh, with it um, right now, but God, we don't know those last few moments in people's life. Your grace and your love is so deep. And, and so we pray, God, that somehow maybe, maybe he would even make another commitment or a commitment to you if he hasn't already in these last moments of his life. God, I, I'm so thankful that we've had this time. Open up again, open up our, our minds, our, our eyes to your word, to the truth of your scripture today in a powerful way. And may we go away from here saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We lay all this before you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for that time of prayer together. Thank you, worship team. Great job this morning. Um, and it's good to have um, two of my own children up here with me. It's always good to have Emily back um, with us when she gets a break from her church that she's on staff at with um, in Ohio. And uh, Josh up here um, playing the bass um, and singing uh, with us this morning, uh, good job. And, and the rest of you, I don't want to just single out um, them, but uh, um, I could name all of you um, today. Uh, but the way my day has been going, I'd forget somebody. I know by name today, it's been one of those um, Sundays. But um, I just want to mention to you uh, here before I forget, um, I'm sure a lot of you have been noticing uh, from last week and then this week, um, where are the bulletins? So, um, where are those um, papers that we're so used to getting when we come in? Um, we're trying something just a little different, and I know change is hard sometimes for people. It's hard for me. Uh, when I was um, uh, thinking about this decision, uh, what are we going to do about our bulletins? Uh, I really thought there's, there's, this is a time probably we need to make some changes. Sorry. Some changes in our bulletin a little bit. It's getting a little bit... Um, uh, redundant on some things that we're doing. 
the announcements are already being put up on the screen. Some of those we're putting out online, things like that. And, and so what we are doing, and this was my decision, so if, if you're not happy with it, you can be upset with me, I guess. Uh, but I've decided to, to try this for a little bit to go without a bulletin. Uh, those of you that love to take notes, I know you're like, oh, I just lost my note paper. Bring a notepad, bring something to write on. Um, just getting the, uh, used to that. I, I brought mine here if I need to take some notes later, uh, what people tell me. Uh, just get, get in the habit of doing that. Uh, maybe you're, you say, well, well, what about those statistics that we put on there about the offerings and, the, and the, um, how many people were here last week? If you need to get that information, that is so uh, very important, I know, to some people to know that. Uh, we'd be glad to get that to you. We, we do not want to hide that information. Uh, that is not private. Um, if you'd like to know uh, about the giving and things, um, make sure I know about that. So we're just going to try this. Um, maybe it would be like, oh, man, this, uh, uh, this is just something we want to bring back. I don't know. But I know that the church that uh, our family went to last week, when we went there, they did not have bulletins, so we're not the only church uh, that has uh, gone away from using bulletins, uh, so uh, just something that we're doing to change. And what a perfect weekend for me to announce that for this sermon about change, living changed. Uh, this month, uh, we are going into a series of messages, and this series is just simply called Changed, changed. John 21, I invite you to turn with me in in your Bible or your device, whatever you have to look this up. John 21 is a passage of scripture, not too many days, I'm sure, after the resurrection of Jesus. So if you turn there, we're going to look at verses 1 through 19 throughout this message. I do want to say as you're turning there in your Bibles, um, I want to thank uh, uh, Rick. Uh, I don't see him right now, but I, I caught him before the service and thanked him personally. did a great job leading worship um, and with our singing uh, time last week, and so I appreciate him doing that while we were on uh, uh, a vacation. And also, Pastor Kevin uh, was here as well. Many of you know Pastor Kevin. I uh, used to be on staff here. Um, I, I caught um, some of his um, messages past week and did an excellent job of uh, the parts that I watched him in that message. And so um, I texted, messaged him a little bit back and forth um, um, after he preached last Sunday, thanking him. And he said uh, he was glad to do it. He said anytime he loves to preach. So uh, that's great to know. And uh, he does a, does a wonderful job. I can see already. John chapter 21, let's look at these verses together. Like I said, this was right after the, the resurrection of Jesus, and uh, days after that. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. Afterward... Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, 
we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, Peter wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Simon Peter climbed aboard. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 10 first. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. Very interesting that it took all those disciples and the boat to bring the net up. But then Peter's just like, I'm going and I'm, I'm bringing this net up myself the rest of the way. It was full of large fish, 153. And even with so many, the net was not Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. We're going to stop there and we'll pick it up here in just a, a minute or a few minutes uh, later on, the rest of that passage. A man named Sergio Zyman was the mastermind behind what some of you may have taken a drink of back in the 1980s. It was called New Coke. How many of you ever was privileged, to, maybe not privileged, to drink New Coke? All right. Uh, he was the mastermind behind it. Uh, it was something that marketing consultant Robert McMath saw as one of the greatest, though, the greatest product failures of all time. You see, Zyman was successfully introduced Diet Coke before that, and it went off great. I mean, people uh, that, that, that wanted a, a low-sugar pop uh, loved to have that. Uh, option of Diet Coke. And he believed that Coca-Cola needed to act boldly to reverse its 20-year market decline and introduce a new product so that they could uh, be back up uh, competing against Pepsi again. So his solution was to stop offering the drink that had been popular for nearly 100 years and change the formula. And it was offered as New Coke. The move was a complete failure that lasted 79 days in 1985, and it cost the company about $100 million. People hated New Coke, and it cost Zyman actually to leave the company. His problems with New Coke, though, did not keep him down. 
it caused him to leave the company, yes. But he decided that failure was not final for him. Years later, when asked if the venture was a mistake, Zyman answered, no, categorically. No, it wasn't just a failure. But now if you say to me, the strategy that you guys embarked on didn't work, I'll say, yeah, absolutely, it didn't work. But the totality of the action ended up being positive. Ultimately, the return of Coca-Cola Classic made the company stronger. Zyman was rehired at Coca-Cola in 1993. John Maxwell once said, Mistakes are not permanent markers. Mistakes are not permanent markers. Basketball coach Rick Pitino stated once that failure is good. It's fertilizer. Everything I've learned about coaching, I've learned from making mistakes. Maybe you've heard this phrase, failure is not final. Failure is not final. But do you believe it? Do you believe that today? How many of you have ever failed at something before? I should see every hand raised, right? Or shaking your head at least. Yeah. We've all failed at least at something once in our life. I've had one failure in my life. No, I've had more than one today. (laughs) Um, So I I should have two hands up. Um, I I have failed so many times when it it comes to just little mistakes, big mistakes, medium-sized mistakes, you name it. Uh, I've been there. I've messed things up. I've failed many times miserably. A few years ago, maybe I've shared this story uh, with you before. A few years ago, on April 23rd, I was talking with my my own mother on the phone. And we were just having a conversation together uh, just about everyday life and things and hung up the phone. Two days later, I remembered that it was my my mom's birthday on April 23rd. I said, oh my goodness, I completely forgot about my mom's birthday on her day. And I was even talking to her on the phone. How embarrassing is that? Um, What a loser that I felt like. Um, I felt pretty bad when I realized. But she's forgiven me. (laughs) There's been worse failures in my life, and I'm sure that you've had them as well. In fact, maybe... You've really messed up your life in the past. Maybe things aren't so great right now, even, and you feel like a failure today. Maybe the devil, Satan, reminds you every day about your past and about your mess-ups. I want to tell you today, maybe this is a reminder to you. Maybe this is something new to you today. I don't know. But I want to say this to you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. God is is crazy in love with you. You are special in God's eyes. You are loved by God. And I, there's days where Sometimes I forget about that. I don't remind myself about that, about God's love 
for me. Even if you've turned your back on God, he still loves you and is standing at your heart's door waiting for you to open it back up and let him back in. Peter and the other disciples that day decided to go out fishing. Why not? I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times, the scripture tells us, that he said, no, I I don't even know Jesus. I I wasn't with Jesus. I'm not his follower. Uh, Just, uh, you know, leave me alone. Peter denied him. All these these men, these disciples, they deserted Jesus right after he was arrested. They took off. They, they were scared. They were, they were feeling like life was hopeless. They had to have been thinking, why would Jesus want us to follow him now? We can't even get it right. <laughs> we went out. They wouldn't go out and they go fishing again. They go back to what they know how to do. And again, they catch nothing. <laughs> Reminds us of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Uh, Dr. Luke writes about the disciples being out fishing all night long. And this was right, right before some of them even met Jesus. They go out fishing and at that night they catch nothing at that time. And Jesus shows up and he says, hey, I want you to throw out your nets in this part. And, and Peter's like, Master, we, we've done that all night. We've fished. We've put our nets out. We, we know how to fish, and we've caught nothing. And Jesus says, just, just do it. Trust me. Trust me. And that day, they caught so many fish that it filled the boats. And they began to sink. And then Peter fell, at the, fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. Don't you know who I am? But Jesus said to Simon that day, don't be afraid from now on. You're going to catch men instead of just catching fish. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. I don't think it's a coincidence that the disciples then, after the resurrection, go back to fishing and catch nothing again. I'm sure their minds are, are going back to that incident back where we read in Luke chapter 5. Boy, this is, this is a lot similar to that night when we, we didn't catch fish that day either, that night either. I'm sure they felt miserable. They knew what they could do, but they, it didn't bring them joy anymore. They weren't catching fish. I've been out fishing before in times out in a boat catching nothing. It's a miserable time it's not very fun i mean you're out there to catch fish not just to sit in a boat but here's the good news jesus shows up sometimes in the miserable times in our life in those times where we catch nothing in those times where we feel like a failure jesus shows up at the right moment as he always does and he called out to them as he calls out to us and he said Friends, friends, out of all the things that Jesus could start his conversation with these men, he starts out by calling them friends. Now, people that desert you, people that deny you, people that, uh, that run away from you, do they, are they friends of yours anymore? <laughs> I mean, people like that, I, I don't con- 
consider them to be real good friends. But Jesus calls out to them and says, Friends, haven't you eaten any fish? Haven't you any fish? Don't miss that part. Don't go past that so quickly. Jesus calling them friends, even in their failure, even in their lowest time that they're thinking about how they've, they've messed things up. Jesus still looks at them as friends. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to be your greatest friend. Jesus calls them friends, encourages them then by providing them with 153, 153 large fish. They throw down the net. It's so, I mean, it takes all of them to get that uh, net back up out of the water. They start dragging it up to the shore. And Jesus just does a, another miracle for them before their eyes. They're experiencing the love of Jesus, the care of Jesus, the friendship of Jesus right before their eyes. Brennan Manning wrote a book called The Signature of Jesus, and he writes this in, the, in his book. In the winter of 1968 to 1969, I lived in a cave in the mountains of the Zaragoza Desert in Spain. For seven months, I saw no one. Never heard the sound of a human voice. Could you imagine that? Seven months. Hewn out of the face of the mountain, the cave towered 6,000 feet above sea level. Each Sunday morning, a brother from the village of Farlette below dropped off food, drinking water, and kerosene at a designated spot. Within the cave, a stone partition, partition divided the, cap, uh, the chapel in that cave on the right from the living quarters on the left. A stone slab covered with potato sacks served as a bed. He went on and said the, the other furniture was a rugged granite desk, a wooden chair, a sterno stove, and a kerosene lamp. On the wall of the chapel hung a three-foot crucifix. I awoke each morning at 2 a.m. and went into the chapel for an hour of nocturnal adoration. He goes on and says, On the night of December 13th, during what began as a long and lonely hour of prayer, I heard in faith Jesus Christ say to me, For love of you, I left my Father's side. I came to you who ran from me, fled me, who did not want to hear my name. For love of you, I was spit, punched, beaten, and affixed to the wood of the cross. He said, these words are burned in my life and on my life. Whether I am in a state of grace or disgrace, elation or depression, that night of fire quietly burns on. I looked at the crucifix for a long time, figuratively saw the blood streaming from every pore of his body and heard the cry of his wounds. This isn't a joke. It is not a laughing matter to me that I have love for you. 
The longer that I looked, the more I realized that no man has ever loved me and no one ever could love me as he did. I went out of the cave and I stood at the precipice and I shouted into the darkness, Jesus, you are crazy. Are you out of your mind to have loved me so much? And I learned that night what a wise old man had told me years earlier. Only the one who has experienced it can know what the love of Jesus Christ is. Once you have experienced it, nothing else in the world will seem more beautiful or desirable. When we truly experience the love and the forgiveness of Christ, we live changed. We live changed. We live different than the world. We live different towards others. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We are not defined any longer by our failures or our past. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are changed. Amen. We are changed. We live changed. So now let's look at John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Through f- verses 15 through 19. And then I'm going to give you very quickly this morning four truths. And I'm going to give them to you quick because in the next four weeks we're going to dive deeper into the four truths. Here's John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Again, we're around this. Uh, the disciples have been around this fire. They had breakfast with Jesus. They weren't saying much. Uh, they knew he was the Lord. And so when they had finished eating, it says in verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? In fact, he said, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death of which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Here's truth number one. You have been created for a purpose. You have been created for a purpose. Jesus took Peter back to his calling. He took him back to his purpose. He said, Peter, focus. Listen. It's not about fishing for these 153 fish that I provided for you, but it's about fishing for men. This is what I've called you to do. Focus on that again. I've created you for a specific 
purpose in mind. Isaiah 43.1, the first part of that says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. We are all created for a purpose. Psalm 139.13-16 says, For you created my inmost being. And the psalmist was, 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 he was writing these words down. And uh, in speaking of these words, we read them now as if the psalmist were, were saying these. For you, Lord, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You were made for a purpose. You were created for a reason. We're going to look at that next week. What that really means. What does it mean to be created for a purpose? For purpose. What is God's purpose for my life? The second truth I want to give you is this. Not only have you been created for purpose, you have been called by name. You've been called by name. Three times Jesus calls Peter Simon, son of John. I, there, this is not a coincidence either that Jesus uses his, his name, his real name. Not, he doesn't just say Peter. He says Simon, son of John. I mean, he was getting his attention, wasn't he? Simon, son of John. Go feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, feed my lamb. Simon, son of John, take care of my people. Take care of my people. Do this, Simon. His name was called out by Jesus. Isaiah 43.1 says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Second Corinthians, Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Romans 8.28-31 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been, what? Called according to to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he, those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. We have been called by name. 1 Peter 2.9 says, For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. When I was born, and you can look at my birth certificate, 
it says that my name is Todd Allen Whittem. That's what my parents decided to call me, Todd Allen Whittem. I knew that if my parents were trying to get my attention uh, and I, I really wasn't in trouble at that point, they would call me by my first name, usually Todd. Todd, do this. Todd, I, you know, we need you to pay attention. But if I really was in trouble, if I'd done something that they really needed to get my attention about, they would add my middle name in there. Todd Allen, get over here. Todd Allen, what did you do that for? Maybe some of you are like that as well. Those of you that laughed, that probably. When Jesus called out Simon, son of John, he was getting his attention, and he got Peter's attention. What is the name that Jesus calls you? Have you ever thought about that before? What's the name that Jesus calls you? I hear many speakers sometimes use the word beloved. Are you his beloved? Are you his friend? Are you his son, his daughter? What name is the name of intimacy that Jesus calls you? We are all called by name. That's the name that he gets our attention with, isn't it? Those times that we're sitting at his feet. You are his friend. Three, we've also been chosen to follow Jesus. We've been chosen to follow Jesus. What a great, what a great truth that is. Isaiah 43.10 says, But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been. There never will be. Isaiah 41.9 says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Let me remind you this morning and tell you this morning that you have been chosen to follow Jesus. No, we, we weren't a disciple like Peter and James and John that day when Jesus looked at them and said, follow me for I will make you fishers of men. But the truth of that, that calling, is just as important this morning to us as it was to them that day. That Jesus still looks at our hearts and in our minds and, and each of us as, as individuals and, say, and says to us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He has chosen us to follow him and we should feel <clears throat> privileged for that. And then fourthly and lastly, you have been commissioned You've been commissioned. Not only have you been chosen to follow Jesus, but you've been specifically commissioned to make disciples. You say, well, wasn't that the job of the pastor? Wasn't that the job of the board members, the leaders of the church to make the disciples, the, the people that are teaching 
you know, small groups, things like that. So, uh, no, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came to those disciples, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and he says this to us as well, because I believe with all my heart that the, the Bible is for, for us. Not just for 2,000 years ago, but it is also in, is living and active and alive today for each of us. So he says to even us today, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As followers of Jesus, we are commissioned to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Like I said, in the next four weeks, we're going to dive into those four truths. What does it really mean to be a disciple? What does it really mean that, yes, I have a purpose and I've been created with a purpose in life, but sometimes it's really difficult to know what that purpose is. I've been called by name. Why is that so important that I've been called as a follower of Jesus? I've been chosen and you have been chosen to follow Jesus and to make disciples and be in And you've been commissioned, and we have all been commissioned to follow. But what does that mean when Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men? This morning as we close, I just want you to think about those things today. You've been created, called, chosen, and commissioned. You are a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords if you know Jesus. And I truly hope that all of you do this morning. I want you to stand with me. As we close, let's just pause and thank the Lord for choosing us, calling us, all these things that we've been talking about and also ask him to help us this week as we leave this place, that we won't leave these thoughts here, that we will be witnesses everywhere we go and spread the light of Jesus all around us. Lord Jesus, we pause once more to pray and to focus our attention on you. Lord, as we leave here today, may these not just be words that are nice to hear, but may they sink into us deeply into our hearts this morning, that it, will, that it will make a difference in the way that we live, that we will live changed. We'll live changed because, because we're, a, we're a son and a daughter of the King. We're your friend. Thank you for being that friend who sticks closer to me than anybody else in this world. Help us to remember those truths and to live by them so that we continue to live the life that you want us to. 
Thank you, Lord. We go away from this place knowing that, um, that you are all-powerful, that you can help us each and every day. May your peace go with us, and may you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, we pray this. And before we leave, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as you forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.